0: Let's uh, let's make some noise for Hume Lake, helping us uh, understanding the book of Jonah a little bit more. And some of you are like, what? I'm still confused. Well, we'll get there. Open up your Bibles, Jonah chapter 1. We're going to look here at chapter, verse, five, uh, verse 4. Again, uh, Maddie did a great job of reminding us of what we just learned uh, last night as we heard... Jonah, the prophet who speaks on God's behalf, God says, go and do this, right? He's supposed to go to Nineveh. Uh, Jonah hates Nineveh. They are enemies of God. Yet, for some reason, because God is awesome, decides, you know what? Even in my love and mercy, I want them to know about me. And Jonah, how are they going to know unless you go and tell them? And he's like, nah, I'm good. And he chooses his own thing. We talked about that. That's sin. Sin is compromising God's laws and our thoughts, our words, our deeds, our attitudes, and we all do it there's consequences for that, is he runs the other way, and we saw that up on the boat, right? He's up there, and uh, the fishermen or the, the sailors up there, that are taking him across, and the sprinklers get turned on, um, which I think is fascinating, right? Because God's the one who turns them on, or the gardener does it, which is interesting. We're going to talk about that. And uh, they pick him up, and they're like, hey, there's a storm. And he's like, it's my fault. Throw me overboard. And they're like, God, oh, we can't do that. And they're like, You you got it. And they're like, all right, see ya. And then he's sitting here under these leaves, right? And he's sitting there and feeling the weight of like, that's it. I guess the gardener's done with me. And the bee says something interesting. Did you hear it? That doesn't sound like him, she says. I don't think he's done with you quite yet. And right there as he's sitting in this pile of leaves, the gardener grabs the old rake, throws him in the trash can. And that's where he's going to end. And he's like, this is it. And he has an interesting dialogue between him and the gardener. And we don't know what's going to happen next. Well, all that is uh, the story of Jonah. They just decided to tell it with gnomes. We're going to read it here in the Bible. Chapter 1, verse 4, it says this. After Jonah runs away from the presence of the Lord, going to Tarshish, which is as far away from Nineveh as he could get, says this in verse 4. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest, a a big storm on the sea, that the ship threatened to break up. Then the the mariners, which are sailors, were afraid. Now, stop right there and think about this. These are guys that are going in the Mediterranean Sea, which is right next to Israel, and this is where Jonah's trying to run away from. These are sailors, right? What do sailors do? What? They sail. That's what they do for a living. They're on the sea. They're on the ocean literally almost every single day. And a storm comes and they're what? They're afraid. That's interesting. Why? Because they've seen storms. They've seen a ton of storms. They've never seen a storm like this. And this is an interesting thing because it was Jonah and his sin that brings the storm. So they were afraid. Each cried out to their own God and They hurled cargo off from the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down in the inner parts of the ship and laid down and was fast asleep. And the captain came and said, what do you mean, sleeper, wake up. Call out to your God. Perhaps your God will give us thought and we may not perish. They said to one another, Come, let's cast lots. Let's roll some dice. It's what they used to do. And as they roll these dice, it falls on a certain number and it, it falls on a certain person, as if something's in control of that dice. And it says, Let's cast lots that we may know whose account of evil has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lots fell on Jonah. They said to him, Tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. <laughs> What's your occupation? Where'd you come from? Where's your country? Who are your people? Well, I'm freaking out here. The storm's coming. It's ripping our ship apart. And you, who are you? Where'd you come from? What did you do? And he says, I'm a Hebrew and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea that you're on, the dry land. And the men, these sailors, were exceedingly afraid and they said to him, What is it that you've done? Right here, almost, they have a better view of God than Jonah did. What did you do, Jonah? These men knew that that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he told them. Then he said to them, what shall we do? The sea may quiet down for us as the sea grew more and more vicious. And he said, pick me up, hurl me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you, for I know it is because of me. This great storm has come upon us. Nevertheless, the men rowed hard to get back to dry land, doing it on their own, but they could not because the sea grew more and more angry, vicious against them. Therefore, they called out to the Lord, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life and lay not on us innocent blood. For you, O Lord, have done as you please. So they picked up Jonah, threw him into the sea, and the sea ceased. From its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly. They offered sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. And in chapter two, we get a sense of Jonah talking out to the Lord. And we saw that in the trash can here in these conversations where Jonah's saying, Look, I know this is on me. I I, I got myself into this situation, Lord, but you're the one ultimately who's in control of it all. And I want you to look at here. It says this at the last. And go read that one on your own. It's pretty fantastic. But in verse nine, it says this. I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah out onto dry land. Would you pray with me? Lord, thank you for the, this camp. Thank you for conversations that are already happening in cabins. Lord, as we continue to talk about a right view of you, may you get a hold of our hearts and stir some good conversations up. May you lead us this morning, we pray. Amen. Uh, I showed you a picture of my family. My daughter, Isley, uh, she's 10 now, which is crazy how fast that goes. But uh, when she was young, she's a very big people person. She loves people. And we would just go out to Knott's Berry Farm or different places. And I always told her, hey, Isley, you've got to stay next to dad. You just got to, right? You got to hold dad's hand. You got to stay next to dad. But she just is so, she just loves people and she loves exploring. So she'd let go of dad's hand and, you know, I'm talking to some friends or whatever. And I look around and Isley's gone. And I'm like, Isley, where are you? And I search the crowd out. Uh, there she is. You know, she's just kind of out and looking around and, you know, and I bring it back. I have to get on my knee. I'm like, I listen, you can't run from dad. You just can't do it. It's not safe. You got to stay with dad. She's like, okay, dad. Great, great. And she does it again. She does it again, does it again. And so at some point I had to think, okay, I'm going to have to allow her to understand the importance of staying with dad. So there's times she starts to walk away and dad watches. I see her. I know exactly where she's at. I could get to her in a heartbeat. No problem. But at some point, I need her to stop and recognize, where's dad? And there's times where she's walking around, and all these big people are all around her, and she's loving it. She's loving it until she freaks out, and she's like, "Uh uh-oh, where's dad? And it's beautiful as she stops and looks. Where's dad? All frantic. Why? Because there's chaos all around her. And sometimes it's close. She's close to me. Other times she's a little farther away. But it's beautiful when she stops and she looks for Dad. In the midst of the chaos and there's times that she can't find Dad. Why? Because there's people all around. But it doesn't mean that I'm not right there and I see her. And at any moment I could go and grab her and get her out of that situation at any time. Why? Because Dad's in control. Even though it's chaos that looks all around her. This morning, Hume has put together this video and, or this drama. And in light of the story of Jonah, here's the one thing they want you to walk away with this morning. This is it. You ready? If you're taking notes, it's very simple. God is in control. Let that sink in. There's a good theological word I learned in seminary called God's sovereign. God is in control. He's in control of all the chaos around us. Where do we see that in the book of Jonah? Well, we see it in the fact that, well, he tries to run from the presence of God as if he can run from the presence of God. He goes and gets on a ship as if God can't control anything. And on the ship, what's he do? He brings a storm unlike any storm these sailors have ever seen. God's the one in control of that storm, which should blow our minds. Why? Can you control weather? Can you control the sea? Can you tell the sea, hey, it's time to get a little rough? No, but he can. He has the power and he's in control and he brings that storm and chaos. And unfortunately, and we talked about this last night, Jonah's sin affected other people. Friends, sin that you decide to do when you go and disobey God, there's consequences that fall onto that. And unfortunately, your consequence sometimes affects other people. And their consequences affects your life. There's storms that we walk through. But it's cool because God is in control of those storms and we see that. God shuts the storm down right away. Why? Because God has the power to bring storms. And he also has the power to calm storms. That's impressive. And we got to not rush through that. And now we've got Jonah sitting here. Here it was in a big pile of leaves. Here it's in the middle of the Mediterranean Ocean. And I have to believe for a moment he's just bobbing up and down. The boat is gone. And he's scared of sharks, right? He's just sitting there thinking, I guess this is it. I can't swim that far. And God brings a big fish. I wonder what he's thinking. Uh Uh-oh. In that fear, man, I love to surf. I, I love to do it, but I'm afraid of sharks. <laughs> if I see this big old fish coming at me, man, I want to punch it in the eyeball, right? Like I want to do whatever I can to get away from this thing. And that thing opens his mouth and swallows Jonah up. And I have to believe Jonah's like, this is it. This is a part of the story I think we lose people sometimes. They're like, ah, you had me until the big fish swallowed a man and then he lived there for three days. But listen, friends, and we could talk about it at lunch if you want, but if God's the God that creates everything and God's the God who's in control of storms and God is in control of everything, do we? is there any doubt in our mind that God could create some sort of animal that? could hold a person in their stomach for three days yeah 100 percent. why because god is in control and when things look very scary and out of control here we see in chapter two of jonah or chapter one of jonah that god is in control even when storms are brewing and its consequences that jonah brought upon himself god is in control When storms are around, we have to remember that. And friends, I have to believe in the world that you've lived in. And again, I live on the other side of the coast from you guys. But it's been a crazy two years, hasn't it? It's been some storms, I know, in my church. And I can only imagine that you have had some storms in your life with chaos. And I'm not just talking COVID. I'm talking just chaos in your life. And it stinks. And I hate it for you. Some are feeling effect of sin that you've done in your own life, and others have been feeling the chaos and effect of other people's choices that are affecting you. Have you thought maybe, and you don't have to say it out loud? Have you maybe thought in this season, God, where are you allowing God? Why are you allowing this to happen? As chaos is all around me, God, do you see me? God, are you in control? And as I think about God's sovereignty, as I think about God being in control, I can't help but go to another Bible character. His name is Joseph. He's in the book of Genesis. And some of us might know the story of of Joseph. And instead of reading the whole thing, because there's a lot to be said about it, I need you to go back in time and think about your little Sunday school Bible lessons of of Joseph and help me in one word. One word is all you got. One word. Help me retell the story of Joseph. Joseph. Joseph is the one, you know, with the big old coat that he gets, you know, from his dad and his brothers do something interesting to him that's kind of not awesome. Let's tell the story of jo- Joseph in one word. Raise your hand. Let's see. What? Forgiven. All right. What else? Um, Good. Jealousy. jealousy. Go. Back to you. Yep. All right. Nice. Nice. Belief. We're telling the story of Joseph. This is good, but what about betrayed? That's an awful thing. Yes, he was. Yes. What? Faithful. What'd you say? Brave. Holy. Loyal. Yeah. Injustice. Thank you. Listen, all those are good words, but his his life was awful. Here's Joseph, He's with has his, all these brothers, his brothers hate him, so they decide to kill him. That stinks. You talk about family drama and family issues, which I think some of you have gone through this season. His brothers, Joseph's brothers, wanted to kill him. And instead of killing him, they throw him into a pit and they sell him. And they go bye-bye brother and they never see him they think he is done. And then they tell dad, your favorite son died. You talk about the consequences as a dad to feel like my dad, that's done, my son's gone. They've done that, they lied to their dad. There's all this consequence and all this stuff in this Joseph life. What did he do? Now he goes to Egypt and in there, he's, he's working for a man named Potiphar and his, Potiphar's wife comes in and, and look, he has this great relationship with Potiphar and the Lord is with him, it says in Genesis. And he's doing a good job. Think about that. He's doing a good job. He's doing exactly what he's supposed to do. And he's actually, uh, he's, he's doing a, uh, his job. He's exceedingly uh, rocking at his job. And Potiphar's wife comes in and basically lies about Joseph. And Joseph didn't do this thing that that she's saying that he does. And, And Joseph gets thrown into prison. What? He did the right thing and he gets thrown into prison when he didn't even do anything wrong? Yes. What? Now he's in prison. Man, that stinks. It would be awful to be in prison for a week or two weeks. The guy was in prison for 13 years for doing the right thing. And in prison, did he make some friends? Yeah. He makes some friends and he starts talking to people and he interprets some dreams and he says, Hey, hey, when you get an opportunity to go to the king, can you, uh, or the Pharaoh, can you tell them about me? And his friends say, what? For sure. We got you. You're our boy. We got you. They go to the Pharaoh and guess what? They forget about Joseph. This guy has family issues. This guy was betrayed by family. This guy was wrongfully accused. This guy's sitting in prison for 13 years. This guy's betrayed by his friends. This guy's life is nothing easy. And there's chaos and storms happening in every moment of this guy, Joseph's life. And what's crazy is he finally gets out of prison and throughout the Bible it says that God is with him in the midst of it. And we don't read this story and see him continuing to yell at God. He gets out of prison and the Pharaoh says, hey, I want you to do this thing, interpret this dream. And he does and he gets raised to the second highest position all in Egypt, which is pretty awesome. And we could sit here and say, oh, this is great. See what happens when you suffer a little bit? No, come on. This guy was in prison. I can't imagine he even thought what was going to happen. But what's awesome is now his brothers who threw him in this pit, who wanted to kill him. Now God has brought them back in front of him. Do you remember this story? You've probably seen it in Prince of Egypt. These brothers are coming now because they need some of the food that Joseph is in charge of, right? You guys know this part of the story? And it gets good, right? Because I'm a human being, and I would be like, my wrath is coming. And the brothers come down, tail between their legs, having no idea that Joseph, the person they're asking for food, this is Joseph. I'm your brother, and you are toast, right? All this animosity, all this rage and frustration that Joseph has had for all of these years, thinking and dwelling on all the hurt and the pain, and the brothers who caused that pain and hurt are walking toward him. And you ready? Watch what he does. So Joseph said to his brothers, come here. Brothers, come. They came near. Is uh, chapter 45 of Genesis, if you want to read it. He says this to them. All the the frustration, all the hurt, all the pain, all this grief that he's been sitting in because of this storm that's in his life. And he says this, I'm your brother Joseph whom you sold into Egypt. Now you're done. Right? That's what he's going to say. You are done. You are toast. Your sin is now coming. Your judgment is here. Nope, he says this, and now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God is the one who sent me here to preserve life. What? Fifty-two, we gotta go now. their, Their father, you know, they all come down, they move down to Egypt. Father's there, he has this amazing reunion with Joseph, it is beautiful, and then his. Father dies, and now his brothers are terrified. Joseph was just being a good son until dad dies, and now the dad's dead. We're toast. Joseph brings him in again, and he says this. His brothers also fell down before him and said, Behold, we are your servants. Joseph said to them, Do not fear, for I am in the place of God. As for you, You meant evil against me. Your choices affected me. But God meant it for good to bring it about for many people that could be kept alive. What is that saying, friends? It's saying this in the midst of the storm and the chaos. Joseph chose to look and trust in the Lord in the midst of the storm and the chaos, understanding that God was in control. Now, was it easy? It wasn't easy, but he had to believe this idea that, look, God is in control and what they meant for evil, God was going to be bringing for good. No matter how chaotic life got, Joseph understood God is in control. Nothing catches God off guard. Nothing is beyond his scope of knowledge. Nothing is out there that can ruin God's plan. God isn't doing the best he can with the choices we make. He's not thinking, oh no, Adam sinned. Oh man, it ruined my plans. He's not thinking, all right, Jonah, go to Nineveh. And Jonah's like, nah. And God's like, oh no, what do I do? Oh, he ruined it. God doesn't look at COVID and think, oh, man, that one caught me off guard. I was sleeping when that thing happened. No. When there's storms and the chaos all around us, nothing catches God off guard. And when things look out of control, may we look to God and ask, what might you be up to? And it's hard to comprehend, but God somehow Joseph gets this. He's not bitter. He's not angry. He understands that God is in control. He chose to see what God is doing in the midst of it all. Was it easy? No. He was in prison. He had these family issues, broken relationships. He was accused falsely. And I love it because we've got this picture on the stage where Jojo is sitting in this metal container thinking this is it. And he says something. He says, I did this, God. I'm the one who did this. My choices brought me here. But you're the one who is in control of it all. Because you could have left me in the storm. You could have left me in that water, but you brought a fish, and I wouldn't have thought it would have been a fish, but it just shows once again, you're in control because you made a fish that could carry me, and I haven't died yet. And there's chaos all around me. And look, friends, there's chaos. It is chaotic. And a lot of times we feel maybe like my daughter who's running out there and all of a sudden we look around and we're like, oh, where's dad? Where's dad? Because all we see is chaos all around us. Sometimes life feels a little like moving pieces. In fact, I got a little video here. Sometimes, I don't know if you feel this way, but sometimes I feel like life is kind of just moving so fast. And so watch this video and we'll, we'll talk about it here in just a second. Roll it. How many passes does the team in white make? If you know it, zip it. Go! Counting. And pause, pause. How many? 13. 13, let's see it. The answer is 13. Pause, 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 pause. How many got it? 13. Good. All right, here we go, and unpause, and unpause. But, did you see the moonwalking bear? Pause! How many saw a moonwalking bear? How many are like, what? I didn't see a moonwalking bear. How many think there's a moonwalking bear? Here's the interesting thing, listen, watch, zip <laughs> it. I kid you not, this is the exact same video, they just rewind it for us, same video, watch. The exact same video. And pause. Everybody, I want you to take a look at this screen, and I want us to read it together out loud. Are you ready? We're reading it out loud. Here it is. One, two, three. It's easy to miss something you're not looking for. Friends, it's easy to miss things we're not looking for. In the midst of chaos all around us, it's very easy for us to get so enthralled in this storm, in this chaos. But even Jonah, in the midst of the storm, he recognizes, this is my doing. And Lord, you're in control. You're the one who brought this on. He even tells people around him, it's me, this is on me. Joseph in the midst of absolute chaos, and we can look back on a Bible story because we know how the story ends, and we're like, ah, it's not that bad, not that bad. Prison for 13 years for something you didn't do, a family that hated you so much they wanted you to die, friends that were betrayed. We we, we fall in some of those categories: broken friendships, hurt friendships, and even just one of them. We're like, where are you, God? This guy had a really hard life, but in the midst of the chaos, he decided to not just look at the chaos, but to look up and say, God, you got to be in control of something. Because I don't want to miss it, because why? We're always going to miss something we're not looking for in friends in the midst of chaos, in the midst of the storms, because they are out there. Maybe not miss maybe what God might be doing Joseph knew God, or Jonah knew it was God who brought the storm. He's sitting in this whale, thinking, God, you are my salvation. You're it. You're my rescue. I have to believe he's thinking, God, thank you for creating a fish that can save me. Both him and Joseph, would they have rather it been a different way 100%, but they would both know and recognize God's ways is not our ways. His thoughts not our thoughts. Maybe not rush out of a hard situation instead. maybe we maybe recognize and look to him and ask God, what might you be doing in the midst of this storm? Storms are coming. Whether you're a Christ follower or not, there's hardship that comes. Sometimes it's our own consequences that come and bring that storm. Other times God is gonna just bring the storms. Why? To redirect our focus back to him. No matter why or where we're at in the middle of the storm, we're all either walking out of a storm or walking into a storm. Friends, may I encourage us. Let's not rush through the storm. But may we stop and look to the God who is in control of the storm and the chaos all around us and not miss him and ask, God, what might you be doing in the midst of the storm? Why? Because we always miss what we're not looking for. Let me pray for us. God, thank you for this morning, and as we think again about Jonah's life and the consequences he chose to do that affected other people, yet you are in control of it all. You are in control. You are in control. You are in control. No matter how many times we say it or write it down, we have to understand and believe it. In the midst of chaos, it doesn't catch you off guard. You're in control. You're faithful, and we trust you. And for those that are going through the thick of it right now, Lord, I just pray that they have some good conversations this morning with their counselors, with their youth pastors. To really wrestle with, because it's easy for me to stand on the stage and say, you're in control. It's easy for us to write it down on our books. It's very hard when we walk out of these doors and there is some hardship going on. May we give that hardship over to you, understanding you're in control. And we might not see the big picture, and we wouldn't want it to be going down this way, but our ways are not your ways, and your thoughts are not our thoughts. And Lord, we trust you, who is the eternal creator, very personal, very good, fully satisfying. Eternal God, we trust in you, and we trust you with our lives. May we look to you more. We love you.